So my uh, talk today is entitled, um, Facing Life's Fragility, based on a verse from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, where the great apostle writes these words, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in your inner being. On July the 7th, 2005, a group of suicide bombers armed with homemade explosives strapped to their torsos attacked the London transport system. Three of the bombs were detonated on the London Metro, what we call the Tube, the Underground Railway, and one was set off on a bus that was packed with people. 52 people lost their lives one of them, a beautiful young woman who was 24. Her mother, Julie Nicholson, uh, was a priest in our diocese. Jenny was blown to pieces, literally. And then what was left of her body was blown to, was uh, incinerated in temperatures of up to 2,000 degrees Celsius in the metro. Because of this, for days, Jenny was listed as a missing person, as forensic pathologists pieced together the carnage that represented the remains of those 52 people. Eventually, the wait was over. Jenny was identified via her dental records. She was dead. Julie and Greg, her mom and dad, were obviously devastated by this. But it was three days later, after the event, after her death was announced, that her mum got around to checking her emails. Her heart skipped a beat. In her inbox was an email from Jenny. Her last communication with her family. What she wrote was in blissful ignorance of what was about to happen to her and her family and our community in the diocese. In that email, she spoke of the normal things of life, but it was the very last thing that rocked Julie and Greg to the core. The last thing she said in her last email, and I'll let Julie take over now, this is what she wrote. She said, my hand clasped over my mouth, and my entire body is shaking. I can't stop reading her last question. What does your week bring you? In a moment you see the power, the tragedy, the unknowability behind this question. A young life that was developing. A young woman so full of life and so full of laughter and fun exterminated by evil and misguided lunacy. I tell you this. Because it brings me to my theme for this morning. And it's this, the fragility of life. I refer to that very thin thread that exists in every human life and has ever existed in every human life. That thin thread that lies between life being okay and life becoming very quickly disordered and broken. Life can be going well, we all know this, and then suddenly thump. Something hits you in the solar plexus and you hit the canvas with a shocking thump. What I thought was a harmless visit 
to my doctor to have a little lump examined or because I thought I got a virus or my child has a lump or a virus suddenly becomes a terminal illness when the doctor gives me his diagnosis. When I entrusted my life to another person that I loved and imagined that I would share the rest of my life with and then I found one of those deeply amorous text messages written to another person. When I have an automobile accident. When I know someone who falls down dead when whatever. The list could go on. We know that life is a very fragile business. And deep down inside, we all know this. And we fear it. How would I cope? What would happen to me if something that I read about in the newspapers was to happen in my life? And so we human beings cleverly invent ways of dealing with life's fragility. We buy our insurance policies. That's clearly not a bad thing. And to suggest otherwise here in Birmingham would be indeed risky. Buying insurance is a responsible choice, but will it give you that inner strength of which Paul spoke? But then, of course, there are the other unhelpful ways that we invent to deal with life's fragility. Those of us who choose the route of anesthesia. We take drugs excessively. Or we drink. Or we eat. Isn't the phrase comfort food an interesting phrase? Sometimes we even use religion to help us evade reality. You'll know that Karl Marx, the founder of communism, had this criticism to lay at the door of people of a religious disposition. He said religion is the opiate of the people. See, I always thought that my faith would bring me up against the reality of life. Marx thought, on the basis of the observation of people like you and me, that we use our faith to avoid reality. Then there are those of us, and men, do this so well, denial. You know, the kind of when the, tough gets, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Singer-songwriter, recording artist Miguel said this, which I think captures the spirit of what I mean. He said this, art is based on emotion, but being macho is based on ego. The wall protecting that emotion. Or you might like something a little more simple. Zsa Zsa Gabor said this. Macho doesn't prove macho. There are many ways that we seek to run away from the reality of life. Many ways. Some of you try and find out about the future. Thinking that somehow if you knew what was around the corner, that might help. David Watson used to tell the story of the young woman who went to see a palm reader. And for the first few times, the news was all good. And then one day the woman, palm reader, said to the young lady, you have a break in your lifeline. What does that mean, the young woman asked innocently. She said it means you're going to die young. The woman went home. She got a little depressed at that thought. She went to the doctor, got some pills. And one day she took the lot and killed herself. 
See, would we be any better if we knew what was around the corner? That's a great question. Don't believe the street preacher who tells you that if you give your life to Jesus, all your problems will be over. Ask the saints about that when you meet them. Ask the martyrs of the church who lost their lives simply because of what they believed. Alan Payton, champion of the anti-apartheid movement, said this, I never expected my faith to protect me from hardship, but I expected it to help me through that hardship. So what are we to do? Live in fear, kind of hoping against hope that life will not bear upon us some awful events? For that would be rather thin. That's a choice that some people make. Just live in fear. Eileen Gouda famously wrote this, You can live on bland food so as to avoid getting an ulcer. You can drink no tea, coffee or other stimulants in the name of health. You can go to bed early, stay away from nightlife, avoid all controversial subjects so as never to give offence. You can mind your own business, avoid involvement in other people's problems, spend money only on necessities and save all you can. She added, you can still break your neck in the bathtub and serve you right. <laughs> Some choose this cautious life less than it was meant to be kind of way. But is that an appealing option? I doubt it. Amazingly, God has a better plan for you and for me. And it's this, that we should build inner strength. Anybody else hear music? Good, I, I just wondered if I was dying. Uh, where was I? Yeah, God's got a better plan for your life. Uh, you can go down to the gym and work out, and that's good. You can put on lycra and go and power walk, and that's good. You can pump iron and take vitamins, and up to a point that's okay. But, and our obsession with fitness is not all bad. Our obsession with beauty is not entirely destructive. But what about inner fitness? What about inner beauty and inner strength? Now look, I need to put this baby on the runway because you need lunch. So I want to just say four things to you. Four things that I want you to go away and think about today. One, try and slow down your life a little. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, we read these words. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. You see, you cannot wait upon the Lord if your life is endless rushing. You'll need to slow down a little bit. And that takes me to my second point. There'll be some seniors here who say, if I slowed my life down anymore, it would come to a stationary stop. And I want to say to you, seize the opportunity to do my second piece of advice, and that is meditate on the presence of God. Psalm 23 tells us this. King David, man of power and wealth, said... Uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
See, the presence of God is a real gift to his people. It truly is. You know, it's good to know, isn't it, that God is with you, whether you're at the movies or whether you're at the mortuary. It's good to know that God is there when you're at the fun fair or when you're at the funeral parlor. It's good to know that God's there when you're at the opera or you're on the operating table. And there are saints in this church who gather strength from knowing their presence. Jesus said his closing words according to St. Matthew at least, Lo, I'm with you always to the close of the age. Third thing is, try being a little less risk averse. Learning to walk with God is a little like learning to walk. You've got to let go at some point and give it a, a try. Actress Drew Barrymore gets it. She wrote this, if you don't take risks, you'll have a wasted soul. In taking risks, we discover that God is faithful. Eleanor Roosevelt, wife of four-term President Franklin Roosevelt, said this, do one thing every day that scares you. I can imagine somebody who married a president of the United States of America might say that. Some say marrying a president, president is a risky business. Fourthly, build relationships that replenish you. We all have friendships, don't we, with people who actually suck us dry. We love them, but they don't replenish us that much, and it's good that we're friends with them. Galatians 6 and verse 2 says this, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When you're going through a hard time, when you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, it's great to have people around you. To have some structure around you of mature, wise Christian advice who will help you hold on to Jesus. So let me close with a testimony of a very close friend of mine whose support I value. At the end of 2014, his beautiful 20-year-old daughter, a sufferer of cystic fibrosis, finally succumbed and died. Just days before her death, he sent his email to his close friends. This is how it went. He writes, just had our fifth or sixth, she will not make it talk from her physicians. It goes on. When Flora was born, I was called to her cot side in Birmingham, that's the UK, Children's Hospital, to be told she would not survive the night. My wife, Hen, was 40 miles away recovering from the cesarean she had had to have. I held tiny Flora in one hand and the little oxygen mask in the other all night and would not give up. Now like then, I will not give up fighting for her, not praying for her to be healed and for her to continue to bless and be the inspiration she has been to so many until and if she were to take her final breath. Be great to be able to tell you there's a wonderful ending to this story but she died but I put this to you my friend's voice is the voice of inner strength speaking the voice of calm in the face of the storm the voice of stillness in the face of the hurricane the voice of hope 
in the face of adversity. Of course, today, my friend has a natural sadness and a hole in his life that his daughter has left behind. But he's walking tall. And he's walking yet closer with the Good Shepherd. Because he has that strength in the inner man. I'm not saying you do. But if you want an assignment for the rest of Lent, I would suggest it could be this. Work and continue to work on that inner strength. Because it's the only strength that in the end will bring you home. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for anybody in the cathedral today who is walking through that valley of the shadow of death. Lord, I pray that even now you would make your presence clear to them, that those of us who know and love them would provide the right kind of structure and support. And Lord, in the business of this fragility of life, would you reassure all of us that you are there, in the good times, in the bad times, and that you will see us through. And we pray this prayer not because we have any merit, but because we bring it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who the Bible tells us, sits at your right hand and ever lives to make intercession for us. We pray in his name and to his glory and the people who agreed said together, Amen.